0: Storytelling is known as an art form. You see, everybody has a story. There's the story you believe. Then there's even the story you may not know about your own life or about the origins of where you've come from or who has come before you. Stories are art because stories can be told in so many colors, so many shades, so many perspectives. I think that stories are integral to hope because you need to be able to envision a story where life gets better, where life gets stronger, where life gets more inspiring as you go, where the first chapters are not nearly as beautiful as the last chapters of your life. And so anytime that I get a chance to not only sit down with a storyteller, but also someone who amplifies stories, I see it as an opportunity. Um, to see life in a new way, to find the beauty, even in the dark moments. And so I, I want to bring um, on right now, Lily, uh, onto our platform. We, we met in like a really strange way where I was on one person's podcast and they said, you have to meet this woman because she's going to inspire you. She might be able to help you and she's going to change you in some way or another. And I have found that um, watching her videos and just getting a chance to even have one conversation with her gave me a bit of perspective and also a bit of motivation that I needed. So, Lily, I want to bring you on to our stage and I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself to everybody right now and tell them a little bit about what you do and who you are.
1: Thank you so much, Maurice. And I'm Lily, and I'm a book publisher. I create books that transform the world, that will elevate your brand and get you speaking worldwide, and give you the opportunity to inspire thousands more people than you ever imagined. And I came to London with 100 euros in my pocket And now I'm speaking internationally. I've been invited to speak in more than 20 countries. And um, I've reached 140,000 followers and more than a million people in social media. And I do know that if you want to change your life, the best way to do it is to publish a book.
0: Mm, That's so good. And so Lily, as you have gotten into not only becoming a storyteller, but then you've also become a publisher helping other people to tell their story. Um, I would love to start by talking about a bit of your story. So you said when you moved to London, you you had very little money, but you had a dream. Can you tell us a little bit about that part of your life?
1: I came to London to explore the world because I hadn't traveled anywhere. And um, I was looking in a way for a better life. And um, I was looking also to escape a bit of negativity from my own country.
0: Mm. Uh, how, how old were you at that point in your life?
1: I was 20, almost 23. And I was looking for um, almost like an escape OK, because my own family was full of academics, very perfectionist academics, and everything I did just seemed like it wasn't good enough. Mm. So I was looking almost like for acceptance, for family, for uh, almost like a family away from home, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And um, it almost also felt like it was the right step to take. You know, when sometimes you, you are just called to do something and you just don't know why, but you just know that is the next step you have to take. If you've ever been in that situation where you just know this is my step, although it doesn't make sense. How can you, how can it possibly make sense that you could go to another country with a hundred euros, like less than a hundred dollars in your pocket and feel that it's okay to do that. It's crazy. And yet it wasn't crazy to me.
0: Mmm. It's crazy. It's just not crazy to me. I think that that in and of itself is so incredibly important for people who are trying to take steps towards their destiny, right? That everybody around you doesn't have to make sense to them. But when it makes sense to a deep part of you, you have to follow it.
1: Yes, I truly believe that you have to trust your gut, but in order to trust your gut, you have to be in a good place in your heart. What I mean by that is that when you are depressed, when you are feeling like you are unappreciated and unloved and unwanted, sometimes you might take uninspired action which is action that even if you do follow your gut, it will be the wrong one. So what you need to do first is, for example, to put yourself in a better state of mind. Because when you're, you know, when you're depressed and sad and angry about, you know, losing your job or about, you know, your girlfriend leaving you or other things that, you know, the financial things that are not working, then you are just in such a bad place that you are not going to take the right action, the right Mm. step. Mm -hmm. But what you have to do is to change that state first, because from a positive state of mind, you are going to take inspired action. You are going to take action that is going to feel like you are in flow. It's not going to feel like you are kind of like resentfully doing something because you have to. No, it's going to feel like even if you have very little money, it's going to feel right that you're you're going to go to another country. It's going to feel right that you should go to a certain hotel or to go to a certain event or to publish a book or to meet a person or to be on a podcast. All of these inspired actions are only going to come from a place of you being in alignment with yourself and you're going to be in alignment with with yourself and um, only when you are in a positive state of mind. And to get there, you just simply need to think, As you know, sometimes when you're depressed, when you're sad, when you're angry, when, you know, things just fall through at the last second uh, that you were counting on to kind of pay your bills, you just have to find it within yourself to kind of like, okay, cry over it, be angry over it, but then find something within yourself, find hope. Find, think about the hope that you have within yourself. Think about the fact that one day things are going to get better, but they are going to get better as long as you focus on your own joy first and you don't need money You don't need anything to be joyful because that joy, you can find it in yourself, in the smallest things, in, you know, sitting in front of a really nice house or going to the park or even remembering that you have arms and legs and you have eyes and many other people don't have that. Expressing gratitude for the smallest things that you do have.
0: Ooh, that was a masterclass and a half right there, right? Because you you started that by saying, "I can only trust my gut when my gut is trustworthy," right? That yeah. if if on the inside of me, I, I like to say that whatever you have been sitting in, you develop the flavor of. Yes. So if you've been sitting in anger over time, you develop the the taste of anger, right? If you've been sitting in peace, you become peaceful and it ruminates outside of you. So I have to make sure I'm healthy enough and whole enough that, that I can trust my motivations, that I can trust my 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 insight, my perspective, and my perception. And and so I just loved so much of um, so much of what you just described and so then you got into speaking about gratitude so so now you're you're 23 years old you make this shift you're in that 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 position in your own life you're trying to find the good you're trying to find the hope you're trying to trust yourself but it hasn't manifested yet it hasn't come full to fruition can you tell a little bit about how did you fi- become this version of you? What what happened next? And, and what was the, what was the big catalyst that kind of shifted your entire story?
1: I would say that um, I was focused on being excellent everywhere I I went, and on ensuring that everyone had a great experience of me. So everywhere I went, I tried to do the very best possible job available to me at that time. If it meant working extra, if it meant, you know, doing whatever it took to, to make people happy. And at some point after about eight years, I realized, wow, I um, traveled a lot around Europe and I had fun and I met people, but it wasn't enough. So I decided to publish my first book. And when I did that, um, I did it because It felt like I hadn't achieved anything until that point. And uh, it's almost like the book gave me something to hold on to, almost like it was my legacy. It was something that felt like I had done something, something important. Because before then, I didn't have a boyfriend. I didn't have a husband. I didn't have children. I didn't have a house. I had nothing. The only thing I had were, you know, the suitcases of clothes and (laughs) shoes and... um, okay i had youth which is really very that, important that's important a lot of people don't appreciate you know <laughs> um and That's when I decided to publish my book and that book turned around everything for me Mm. because I became a magnet for opportunities, for people, for marketing events, for so many exciting things. I found a life partner as well and he offered me the opportunity to manage his property business for 10 years and um, also to write his books and publish his books and much later, um, I realized, wow, I could do this for other people as well, because I noticed how that, you know, that first book got me this amazing opportunity to to work in an office. And previously, nobody wanted to offer me an office role because I was a nanny for 10 year, for eight years. OK. And um, after publishing the book. People wanted to offer me so many opportunities. I had so many guys wanting to date me. Okay, it seems irrelevant, but it isn't because it, um, you know, previously to having that book, nobody wanted to date me. And it's crazy because I thought I looked really good. Okay. And still, I was almost like a repellent for people. And the book (laughs) made me more attractive. Okay, and because people all of a sudden were not looking at me as you know she's a nanny, but more like she's an author. And from that moment, you know, being an author gave me the opportunity to to work in an office and also to increase the revenues of the property management business I was uh, working at from four hundred thousand per year to six hundred forty-two thousand per year with the same number of properties. And I realized, wow, I'm actually very good. You know, it gave me this. uh, Come on. a long time that I I started to see my own value. And I think a lot of times we are, you know, working and working and working and we don't appreciate ourselves. And because we don't, other people don't as well.
0: Oh, that's so good. There are so many moments in life where... I had a moment where I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, you know, there are, there are these times when I am moving into a new journey, I'm I'm moving into a new chapter and I look around and I feel like there are people that I expect to support me who aren't supporting me. And she said to me, well, the question is, do you support yourself? And what I got from that moment was it all begins with you. It doesn't matter what anybody around you believes. If you don't have that belief deep down within yourself, the rest of the world is irrelevant. Because even if they tell you how good you are, how talented you are, how wonderful you are, you will not believe them unless you have the belief rooted into you and grounded into you. And so you were able to, to transform the business that you started running. Then you began to transform other individuals, um, giving them a chance to not only write their stories, but then training them to speak, to tell their stories around the world. So how did you get to really get into that part of your journey? Because that to me is, is incredible. And I, I love to just see some of the work that you've done.
1: Thank you. So I, made this amazing decision that i was going to become an international speaker Mm. and it was ridiculous
0: because hold on hold on hold on you said i decided that i was going to become an international speaker you just put it out there yes (laughs) i love it go on
1: And it was ridiculous because even in an audience of 20 people or 50 people or 100 people or 200 people or thousands of people, whenever the course leader would ask a question, who here has a question? And you know, when when someone says that, it's the perfect opportunity for you as an entrepreneur to raise your hand and say, I have a question and I am, you know, I'm a book publisher or I'm a public speaker, I'm a property manager, I'm this or I'm that. And in an audience of Hundreds of people. It's the perfect opportunity for you to also promote yourself when you're asking the question, and then at the end, you know, you would see how those people who did ask the question, they would get all these leads and you know all these uh, potential clients of people asking them, you know, I want this and I want that and oh, I come, I want to come to you and speak about this, right? But I never dared to even ask a question. In an, in, an, you know, in an audience of people. So my, my boyfriend, Harry, was like, how are you going to do this? Come on, don't be ridiculous. And, um, but I said, no, I want to be an international speaker. Mm-hmm. But I'm terrified of speaking, as you know. <laughs> so what are we going to do? So Harry decided to create a course to teach me how to become more confident. So he created Speakers Are Leaders. Mm. the And uh, he created this for me and for many other entrepreneurs that he was coaching. And the first time, it was like I was just like going there, laughing, and so on. But after 24 hours of this course, it's not that my fear disappeared, but I became able to do it regardless of the fear. And I previously attended other courses where I remember there was this course where we paid a lot of money. And we had this opportunity to speak for one minute in front of everyone, like 200 people. And the course leader said, you can either speak for one minute about your business or you or anything you want to say, or you can sing if you're too afraid. And I was too afraid to speak. So I sang.
0: (laughs) What did you sing? This is important.
1: um, Yeah. It was like, um, I'll buy you a diamond ring, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that I went from having this massive, ridiculously massive fear of public speaking. And then overnight I just became able to do it anyway, to feel the fear and do it anyway, as they say. And from then on, I started speaking, you know, organizing my own event and also speaking for two minutes here, two minutes there, seven minutes here, seven minutes there, and so on. And in no time I had accumulated hundreds of places where I spoke. And then one of the largest places where I spoke was in front of 1,300 people, and in fact, three years ago during you know the um, the pandemic, I was due to speak in front of 7,000 people. Okay, and the whole thing kind of got cancelled a few days before. But I didn't have that fear anymore, you know. And now I'm able to speak in front of any number of people, and I can't say without fear because sometimes I still get those kind of like butterflies for a few seconds. But then it just kind of goes and I'm awesome. You know, and I have this (laughs) feeling of, remember that I'm awesome, I'm simply the best. And I feel Mm. that, and I go into the conversation, you know, it's no longer a speech, it's a conversation,
0: right? And, uh, what's, the, what's the difference? I want to slow you down there. What, what's the difference between a speech and a conversation in terms of like your heart posture, your, your, your thought process? What does that change for you?
1: It changes a lot because when you speak, when you feel like you're having a conversation with the audience, then mm-hmm. you can get their feedback and you can uh, look at their reaction. Whereas if mm-hmm. you're just talking at them, You know, it's almost like you don't know what they're thinking and you're thinking, oh, my God, they're thinking really bad thoughts about me. They don't like me. They are (laughs) judging me. (laughs) Okay, and uh, when I'm thinking of I'm having a conversation, I can ask them some questions and then they'll say yes. Then I can make them laugh a little bit. I can say, you know, give yourself a high five or turn to the person next to you and tell them you're awesome. Okay, so there are some techniques that I learned that kind of distract them from me and enables me to breathe a little bit you know and cuz you know when you're speaking continuously you need to kind of like drink some water and breathe a little bit and when you learn these techniques about you know getting them to interact with each other and it takes away a bit of the pressure off you and that's when you are really in flow because you can't like keep going and talking 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 because you're running out of air and you know you're you're kind of getting stressed out as well and if you are able to kind of like direct the attention from you to them, let them be the creators of content. You know let them answer some questions uh let them turn to the person next to them and you know say to the person next to them okay what did you feel about this or that or the other and that gives you not only a breather but it gives them a more interactive experience they're standing they're dancing they're turning they're you know they're moving in that way it's not only not boring to them it's not boring to you it's not hard for you it's easy and when it's easy then it's like everything is a piece of cake and you're having fun all of a sudden. You're not like stressed out thinking, oh my God, I'm going to die on this date.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as you have, have mastered all these different platforms and, and mastered these different, these different spaces and places, what have you learned about yourself? Like, about, like what, what has this done for you, the person?
1: Very good question. The thing I've learned about myself is that I'm very fun. And mm. people should be lucky to have me on stage because I am Come so fun, okay? And modest as well. So, <laughs> and um, you just have to speak enough times um, as to kind of show more of yourself. And I think it takes a really long time for people to really get the authentic version of you. And you can only give them that authentic version of you when you do this enough times. Because, you know, initially you're doing a video and uh, it's you and your mother liking it, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it can feel very, uh, <laughs> you know, heartbreaking to see that. Mm-hmm. But with time, mm-hmm. It's like, for example, I remember a few years ago, I would post something on Facebook, for example, and uh, if nobody liked it, within a few seconds, I would be like, oh, nobody's going to like it. I'm going to delete it, you know?
0: I'm I'm taking it down. I'm taking it down, right?
1: (laughs) Uh, Or, for example, every time I'm speaking on stage, what I found is that when I'm speaking, especially in smaller audiences, I discovered that I'm a lot funnier because I feel Mm. more comfortable. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. they'll accept me because I'm awesome. And, uh, <laughs> and then when I'm speaking in larger audiences, I can still do this, right? But I'm thinking a little bit more about, okay, uh, who's in the audience? Because some people may not like this kind of humor or may not understand my humor. Because it took me eight years to understand British humor. Imagine how long it's going to take
0: you to understand mm-hmm. mine. yeah. There it is. That's huge. That's huge. And as you've gone through this process, you know, I, I, that's that word authenticity, right? That when you become more authentic at whatever you do, whether it's your style of speaking, your style of writing, uh, the way that you manage or run a business, the way that you manage people, the more authenticity you bring to the table, the more people will, will, will work for you, will support you, will love you, will ride for you. There's, there's so much to be said for that. The, the ability to become authentically you. What do you feel like has been the, the, the greatest catalyst in that for you? Did, did you have that once you moved to England, or did, was it before that that you, that you really learned how to accept you?
1: It took me a really long time to accept myself. In fact, I would say that it would be as late as maybe last year. Uh, okay, so from maybe... Uh, three years ago, I started posting a lot more content in social media and Facebook. And initially, I was posting these edited photos of me, and I had between 300 and 1,000 likes, okay? Okay. And I remember that at some point, my assistant didn't come to work. She was on holiday. So I thought, you know, I have to post something. So at least we keep the momentum going. And then I'll, I started posting unedited photos of me, like with no makeup or hardly any and like just very natural. And I was stunned to see that some had 4,000 likes and 15,000 likes. And I'm thinking, what happened here? Okay. And all of a sudden I realized, you know what? my audience likes authenticity. They like um, me natural the way I am. And I need to stop worrying about all this, you know, doing all these gazillion edited images and so on and just be myself. And I started talking to them, you know, like talking to them in stories, uh, you know, in written stories. And um, I noticed that they like me the way I am. Um, But in terms of accepting that, I would say it took me a really long time and to some extent, I'm still working on accepting myself because I know I am very fun and still to to this uh, day, I'm a funny introvert, which means that I'm funny, but nobody knows about it. And that's not a very good place to be, right? Because it's like, (laughs) I um, I have all this audience around the world, okay? And they don't know about me, a lot of them, and they love humor. Okay, and then I have another audience, you know, uh, my my typical audience, and they like serious stuff. And the reason mm-hmm. they like serious stuff is because I post serious stuff on social media, mm-hmm. inspirational, mm-hmm. motivational stuff. And yeah, that, that is a big part of me. But most people do not know about the funny introvert side of me and the fun side of me. And I definitely feel like I'm going to include a lot more of that because that's when I have a true audience connection. Okay. It's not just about having a gazillion followers. It's about having engaged followers who really not only get you, not, are not only fully engaged with you. And um, I mean, in my case, I have had maybe like 12,000 messages, uh, you know, from 98,000 followers, for example, in Facebook, and many of them were about marrying me, you know, and I think that <laughs> a lot of the, those messages should be about you know publishing a book, and I think that um, you know the the content you share in social media needs to be aligned with who you are as a person, because for example, if I'm sharing serious content, then the serious people will like it. But I will then start working with people that are serious, and I prefer to work with people that are not only serious and committed to their work, but also they appreciate the fun side. You know, for example, I remember. For a long time, at every job where I worked, I didn't care if it was like a super posh office or, you know, a really luxurious house or it it didn't matter to me where it was. But I couldn't understand why people were not smiling. I couldn't understand why they didn't see the fun side of like anything. For example, one of my, at some point, I remember I was working as an administrator for a nanny agency, okay, and I remember she asked me to remove my stilettos um, to, to work because I was making holes in the in the in the floor, <laughs> you know. And
0: you were leaving a mark.
1: Yeah, literally, I was leaving a mark in more <laughs> ways than one. And um, and I remember that I couldn't think of why wouldn't someone at least laugh you know, uh, that, you know, so, okay, you can tell your, your employee, don't, you know, don't walk with your stilettos. Um, but I just couldn't see why, like people on the tube, why aren't they smiling? And, Mm. you know, I just don't get it in general, why people are not having that joy, you know, but I think that joy exists. It's just that maybe to some extent, a lot of them still don't know about me. And I think by showing them that side, they a lot more will connect with me. And that way you can say there's a mutual win-win, right? Because the fun people will come to me and I like the fun people and, you know, it's all big, happy family.
0: Mm. One of the things that, that I can really appreciate about you, Lily, is that um, when we first met, Again, like we we met like a random way where we were both on a a podcast, and the the person on the podcast said you two need to know each other, right? And so when we had our first conversation, there was a similarity about you and I, and that I do not try to sell myself to people when I talk to them. Like I don't put on a show. I'm not I'm not interested in impressing you, and you were not interested in trying to impress me, and that was excellent, right? So our conversation was two authentic individuals having a conversation about what the possibilities are and what are you looking for? And here's how we may be able to do it. And when you're ready, let me know and we'll make it happen. And because of that, we're gonna do some work together. It, was, it wasn't, let me try to sell myself to you. Let me try to put on a show. Let me try to give you some lights and camera action. It was just, this is me. This is authenticity. And, and I think that if more people sold like that, they would make more money and then they would sell more. People appreciate that you're just giving them your true authentic self because at the end of the day, you're the brand, right? And so you branded yourself as the real thing, not as a fake, not as a fraud, not as anything else. So the you that I see on the camera is the you that I saw in a meeting. And I can appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So it's important to be authentic and to show that real you to the readers and the subscribers and the followers because that's when i think they are going to take their own leadership as well they are going to be not only impressed by you and, and you know and start following you but i think what's important is that they are going to create change in their own lives because they are inspired so imagine if they see you having fun at work they are going to start seeing that it's possible to have this kind of lifestyle for themselves where where work doesn't have to be a chore where you know work can be fun and exciting and you can you can work with incredible people and and even if you have a hard day at work where you have a lot of deliverables you can still have fun doing it i'll give an example um, a few months ago i was collaborating on this book program and i had 48 authors plus me where we had to design you know 1500 banners in total for all of us and so many websites and, you know, do bestseller and so many things. And, uh, I remember that I was like sitting at my desk and, you know, it felt a little bit like spinning a hundred plates at the same time. Cause I had so many teams and one was working on one website, the other one on another website and another one on banners, another one on media kit and another one on, um, other stuff that were, you know, for that, you know, media features and all that stuff, you know. And uh, I remember that as I was like, let's say if I had a mini break between, you know, sitting at my computer and coordinating the team, I would be like going to the kitchen and I would be like, I'm the best, I'm simply the best, you know? So I would be like, um, you know, or doing the the funny walk, you know, like the dwarf walk. or um, So basically, like, even when you're super busy, you can still make time for silliness. And I think this silliness mm. and playfulness in your own uh, business can really lead you to to relax. And when you relax, you're Mm. in flow. And when you're in flow, you produce quality work, and you like your work more, and you you produce a lot better content, and you're happier. And because you're happier, your wife or your husband appreciates you more, and your children as well, and then your family see a better side of you. I mean, there's so many benefits to just being joyful at work, even when you are spinning a hundred plates, rather than let's say if it's raining right now, you could be like, Oh, I can't believe it's raining and I have to go to work. (laughs) And you could be like, well, that means I'm going to have to sit in the Ritz or in the local cafe and have a really nice cup of tea. Or that means I'm going to, you know, look at the bright side. Look at something you can do instead yeah. or because of that. Um, or um, or I could say you could even make fun of the situation and say, you know, oh, it's it's raining so bad. That means I'm going to be <laughs> like a pickle when I return and I'm going to need some, you know, Uh, Special people to (laughs) take me out of my boots.
0: Oh, I love it. So, and there's and there's somebody who's listening today and they they need that, right? Because they they're stressed out every day, they're frustrated every day. And what you're describing is that importance of finding healthy perspective, working on your perception. How do you perceive the day around you? Which is so which is so important. And so where I want to take things next, there's somebody who's listening today, right? And they're like, "I like what you're saying. I appreciate what you're saying." And in fact, I've got a story that I have always wanted to tell. Everybody tells me that I need to tell, but I never found the courage to begin my own storytelling journey. How, how do you tell a person to begin that journey? Of, of course, they need to find you. But, you know, outside outside of that, how does a person begin that journey of, of telling their story, um, both in writing and, and let's just talk about in writing for now? How, how do they write that book the first time?
1: OK, so if they were to do it on their own, this is a good way to start. OK, so first think about what passions and skills do you have? What would you like to write about? A lot of people come to me and say, I want to write a book about my life. And this could be okay. The only thing is look at what else can you talk about? Is there some sort of business topic or skill that you have that you can share? So for example, if you know about property management or if you know about how to uh, buy books, uh, I mean, how to buy uh, properties with no money down or anything that you know that could be a valuable information, piece of information that people are interested in, that would be better as your first book. And also consider how can you create Something like a book that can be not only the title of your book, but it can be the title of more things so that it becomes almost like an umbrella for your business name. It could become your workshop title, potentially later your card game, your board game name. Your, your, uh, your seminar name? Um, or how could it be almost like encom- how could it encompass everything that you're doing into one thing so that later on, if you decide to write more books, those books could be fitting under the umbrella? Okay. And it's quite important that the very first book should be the right one, I think, so that a book is not only a book, it's a movement. So it can be your TED Talk name for example
0: oh say that one more time can you say that line one more time i loved that
1: so that your book is not only a book it's a movement it's an Mm. idea that becomes a movement it's a something that moves the world because you came up with an idea and that idea literally has all these like ripple effects into so many different areas. And it's not just a stream of income or multiple streams of income, but it's a way to impact the world in multiple ways. Because people like some people like online courses, some people like books, some people like workshops, some people like to you know, have one, one-to-one coaching with you. And ideally, it should all be structured under one brand name. And in that brand name, that could be potentially the title of your book. And um, so how do you choose if you're multi-passionate? Let's say you, you like to play the piano and you like to play computers. And I don't know, you like to, um, I know you have a business. How do you choose? From all these gazillion topics, which one to do first? Ideally, it should be something that you want to promote, okay? And if you want to promote, for example, an investment business, then do a book about investing. If you want to promote uh, products around marketing, do one about marketing. If you want to promote your podcast, do one about podcasting. If you're interested to promote, for example, courses about how to create a really good podcast... Okay. So it's important that your book is aligned with what you're trying to do, because for example, a lot of people have gone through trauma and they come to me and they say, oh, I want to do a book about my trauma. And I say, you could do that, but then do you want to be a transformational coach? Because if you do, then it's aligned with what you're doing. Okay. But if you're not interested in, in being a transformational coach, maybe do another book first. And then the trauma book could be your other book, part of your umbrella of books.
0: Mm, That's so good because if you if you write the trauma book people are coming to you about trauma And if that's not your focus, you want to begin with your focus Now you have a dedicated fan base and now they get the window into the soul when you write the trauma book, whatever it might be
1: Yes, and one thing which is a secret, okay a secret is that um, And this is something I haven't yet done, but uh, this is something I'm going to do which I do think is a very good idea um, now, you know, normal books can be, let's say 40,000, 60,000 words, 20,000 words, depending on, you know, how much you want to write and so on. But there's a new category and that category is called short reads. Okay. And yeah, I had a bestseller
0: in-, in short reads. It was good for me.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I said, I had a short, I had a bestseller in short reads. It was good for me. My first book.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So with short reads, the really cool thing about short reads, uh, is that your readers can read it really quickly. So um, you can do instead of, let's say, one book of 100,000 words, you can do 10 books of 10,000 words. And what tends to happen is that if you write one really good book of 10,000 words, then the reader will be like, oh my God, I also want that one and the other one and the other one and the other one. So they'll end up buying the 10 of them because especially if you have really good titles for all of them, then you can maximize your sales and every single one of those books could become like a lead generation for you and I think it's important to note that some people will be attracted to a certain title others to others and others to others and so on and also you know in Google for example when people type they type different things different variations of the same thing and it's important to also also make a research based on what people are typing, and to write something that is kind of in line with what people are typing, where it's possible, so that you know that there is actually demand for that particular thing you're going to write. And I also think it's important to have a really nice luxury cover, because if you do, and I, in general, like to put the speaker or the author on the cover, and I do know there are many, many books that don't have that but uh and they are still successful okay but i tend to focus with uh, on having the author on the cover because that way when you speak in an audience of 2000 people then let's say let's say i publish your book i put your cover in front of 2000 people and then people will come to you you could even be in vegas you could be at your sh- supermarket you could be like anywhere and people will be like Maurice. I think it's you. You're the, your body's too big guy, you know? So, So, you know, like you could get leads from like anywhere. And I know this because, for example, my partner, Harry, I didn't publish his first book, but he did speak at the National Achievers Congress because of his first book where Tony Robbins was speaking as a headliner. And um, I remember that people saw him in front of like 2000 people. And because of that for years, and I still do that. Okay, they stop him at the train station, at the cafe and they like, oh, you're Harry, you're the climbing Big Ben guy. You know, they see him everywhere and they stop him and they know because he has this very memorable picture of him with a, you know, climb with a Big Ben, you know, the clock tower and, you know, his picture. And because of that, it's like people associate and they might not care at all about what he wrote but they do know he's the author. He's the best-selling author guy, and he's the one that always wears purple, okay? And that's why there's also an important thing to kind of look after your brand so that whatever kind of brand you create, it's a memorable one. You could be the colorful dude. You could be the, you know, I like to be the lady in red, and that's why I mainly wear red and white. I wear also a little bit of black, but for the most part, I wear red and white. And for most parties or events, I wear red. And because of that, people do remember me as the lady in red. And for example, for my partner, I also kind of gradually threw away or, you know, gave to charity many of his blue and other colors that he had. You
0: told told the truth at the beginning. You said threw away, then you tried to clean that one up. You threw that stuff away. You said, "Mm mm-mm, got to go. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I said, threw away. What I meant was, you know, we gave to charity a lot of the stuff. There were other colors, even though they were expensive clothes and so on. And I said, you know, you have to make a choice. Do you want to be memorable or not? He's still holding on to some stuff that he really likes. But for the most part, he's wearing just purple and gold. Okay. And again, everywhere he goes, you're the purple guy. You're the purple guy, you know? So they know, they know him. And actually because he's very charismatic uh, and he always wears a velvet, okay? Velvet purple jackets. And because of that, they kind of feel comfortable to even touch it, to see how it feels because they like it so much, you know? <laughs> I think as a guy, <laughs> you can let that slide, you know? As a girl, right. not gonna... <laughs> But people stop him yeah, at the no, train
0: as, station. Yeah, no, as a girl, not so much.
1: <laughs> yeah, people stop him at the train station and they touch his jacket because they like it so much.
0: I think it's important um, that that one of the things that you described was this concept that not only do people have to think about what order of what books that they write, um, but also that not every book needs to be this huge, gargantuan project. I think that so many people talk themselves out of telling their story because they convince themselves that every part of their life or every part of their expertise must be in one book the truth is that the greatest books focus in on something. You can't cram all of your knowledge into one book. That's why people need to work with you one-on-one. That's why you have to have workshops. That's why you speak live, because then there's more things for you to share. Um, And so I want to be respectful of your time, but this has been such a great experience so far. Um, Now, before I ask you a serious question, I have to backtrack a little bit. I just can't let this go. So you said there was a whole bunch of men who jump in your inbox and propose. What is the greatest proposal you have received online?
1: I can't say that. I, I, I mean, there were about 12,000 of them. Okay. So, and what I did is I automated them. So how I automated them was through a messenger chat bot. So, you know, in a messenger chat bot in Facebook, uh, I set up these questions, like sequences. So if, you know, uh, if the client says I want to like, uh, you know, publishing, graphic design, editing and whatever, click here. If they want, and they can schedule a call with me. If they want to date me, you know, so it says there, there's an option there, which says. Uh, Wait, there,
0: there's an option that says, if you want to date her. Yeah.
1: If you want to date Lily, marry Lily, sponsorship <laughs> visa, charity donations, helping a relative with. <laughs> And other stuff, click here. And then it kind of goes into the sub, sub uh, you know, options. And one of them is, I want to marry Lily, date Lily, and so on. And then that option comes up with a text that I've already written, which says, um, thank you so much for your interest, but Lily is married and is not currently looking for further boyfriends. But if she would like to, uh, you know, uh, have another boyfriend, she
0: will let you know. you tied it into the background of your process now just be clear at the beginning of this process don't be jumping on no 30 minute call and you just trying to propose let's not even go ahead and try that (laughs) (laughs) oh i love it oh that's so amazing oh that's incredible um how many how many live proposals have you had like you go to somewhere you speak
1: no, I haven't had that. No, in a long time. Oh, I, haven't I, shouldn't had have, that. I
0: shouldn't have asked you that then because now, now somebody's going to get bold and try
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, sometimes people send me all these weird stuff, um, you know, pictures and, you know, flowers, you know, digital flowers and so on. But um, no, I haven't had anything like weird uh, happening. So, so far, so good. I think the okay, t- t- automation kind of works because it kind of says the message that I'm currently occupied i let them know in case this changes. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, but I do think it's a, it's a bit funny, you know, it's, it's funny. And um, I like the fact that I've been able to automate the process.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I, I hope this did not give any encouragement to any crazies out there. So just, she's married and she's good. She's Okay. She's okay. Just check the box so she knows in case someday. But just just let her be. Just let her be. Uh, so, so Lily, before before I let you go, I have a couple of things I want to ask you. Now, I know you you just had an opportunity um, to work with a really special individual and, and release an international bestseller. I, I figured you might want to spend some time, you know, talking about your new release and the project you've been working on. Um, you, you can feel free to talk about really anything that you'd like to talk about at this point, you know. But I knew you had one new book that was out.
1: Thank you so much. So um, as you know, I'm a book publisher. I publish books generally for people that want to have their own book, but now I'm doing a collaborative book program with a celebrity and she helped many authors to sell a total of 200 million books and she was featured in The Secret uh, and she was also featured in total in 18 movies with a viewership of 700 million people and uh, Mm -hmm. now we have a collaborative book program together where uh, herself and me, we are both helping authors to become best-selling authors. And we had this book program called Global Conscious Entrepreneurs. And we did already the first edition of the book that became a bestseller in eight countries. And we are now doing the second edition. And uh, the deadline for registering is going to close in a week's time. So if you're someone who is interested in being uh, an author, then contact me and we'll, we'll take it from there. It's for a global conscious entrepreneur, just like you who wants to make a bigger difference worldwide. And the really cool thing about that is that first you're part of a community of heart centered entrepreneurs in a WhatsApp group that is exclusive where we support each other. Then you'll be featured on multiple TV channels on Hulu TV and Apple TV and um, the celebrities TV channel and, um, on Amazon Fire TV and Roku TV, and also on a, on a podcast as well. And you'll be speaking at a conference alongside the celebrity and myself. And many of the people that have participated in the first book Managed to get more business opportunities as a result of speaking at this particular conference related to the book. Uh, for example, they were offered to speak in other countries or they were offered to, to you know, um, do book signings in other places that they hadn't had access to before or were featured in the media or were featured on the cover of magazines. So much is possible. And if you want to have your own book I can also help you with that so you can publish a book that transforms the world. And through that, many of my clients have managed even those who were housewives previously are now speaking worldwide. Some of them found a husband, for example, in the park.
0: <laughs> Won the jackpot.
1: Yeah. Even one of them found a husband 20 years younger. Um, who is moving from Dubai to London and, um, I'm uh, also helping all of them to get more speaking opportunities, more podcasts, more media features, radio interviews, TV shows, and of course, to have a best selling book for those of you that want that as well. And I think through all of that, the most, the most, the biggest impact is actually improved confidence. Because when you have confidence, you have everything. When you believe in yourself, you have hope. And when you have hope, you have everything. And that's why I think you have the Hope Rising podcast. It's all about rising the hopes of every single individual around the world and creating a bigger difference. And that's why I'm a big fan of you, Maurice.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate that. I am a fan of yours as well. Um, and as we wrap up, listen, guys, as I, as I give this, um, this next question, I'm going to just tell you, outside, they're mowing the lawn. You might just hear the lawnmower on this question because it's a longer question. I can't mask it. I've been hitting mute. It's not going to work this time. So just deal with the lawnmower. All right. Now, so, Lily, I'm about to give you the question that I ask every guest who comes on Hope Rising. I want you to play a game of pretend, and we will pretend that 100 years from now, there is a museum, and a person walks into the museum, and it's, it's just a museum of, of, of the culture of this time period. And there is a room marked Hope. They walk into the room, and inside they see a bunch of time capsules. And one of the time capsules has your name on it. They walk up to the time capsule and they see some of the books that you've authored and co-authored and helped people through, and they see pictures of you with Tony Robbins and some of the other pictures that I've seen. And then there is this clip. And in this clip, you explain to this individual your understanding of hope, what hope is, and how hope has made a difference for you. What do you say to this individual?
1: Hope is the most essential thing that you can have because when you have hope, you have everything. When you have hope, you have confidence. When you have hope, you have a version of yourself that is the highest version of yourself because you see yourself in places you never thought you would get. When you have hope, you trust yourself. You you believe in yourself. You know deep inside that anything you set your mind to do, you are going to do it. And I know from previous experience that in times when I knew things were going to happen, I made them happen. So have hope. And when you do, you have everything.
0: I love that. And and this interview has been everything. It has been laughter, it has been inspiration, and so much more. And so, Lily, if somebody has loved this, you talked about your Facebook community and about Instagram. If somebody's looking for you in any of those places, or if they want to find out more information about writing a book with you or taking part in your projects, where do they find you?
1: You can find me at hello at lily.global. And it's important that Lily is spelled as L-I-L-Y dot global. Okay, there is no dot com, it's just dot global. And you can find me there, or you can find me as Lily Patrascu. Hopefully that will be written is somewhere next to your it's, video. It's,
0: it's down there right now on the bottom of the screen.
1: Perfect. So there you'll be able to see my name and I'm everywhere. I'm in a lot more places than you think.
0: And hopefully hopefully soon she will be in your story as a part of how you took your story and your journey to the next level. Perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... You guys see it right there. Her information is there. Feel free to reach out to her if this is something that's spoken to you today. um, Or find her online, support her and her projects. Um, But also, I want to encourage you guys at this point, if this interview was something you needed, you needed to hear about the joy of the moment or how to take more fulfillment into work and and into the things you do, please make sure that you not only uh, leave comments for today's video, would you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so yet, and of course, send this to a friend. You mean you don't have any friends who need to know about Hope Rising? There has to be somebody that you can think of. And so we want to encourage you to send a link Whether you're listening on, on YouTube, Apple Podcasts Wherever it might be uh, And so we just thank you guys for listening today Or for watching today However you're experiencing Hope Rising uh, And of, of course I would be remiss If I didn't talk a little bit about, about Jason uh, Jason is the the person who is behind the seeds of this podcast But he's also the sponsor of the show With his company uh, EWT Productions I, I like to let you guys know he produces it because when you experience it and you hear it and there's professionalism i want you to know who the person who is helping me change the world i need you to know he's the one behind it and and so maybe you have a vision you want to start a podcast you you want to start making videos you you want to create music You're, you're making music and you need somebody you can trust to enhance your audio to come up with a game plan whatever it is I want to encourage you to give your business to EWT Productions. You can either email Jason at EWTProductions.com or find him on social media at EWT Productions on all social media. You see it if you guys are watching the video, you see it right there. Follow him, find him, ask him questions, and I promise you he will take your business, your journey to the next level. And, And I hope that today was a part of you taking your confidence, your courage and your hope to the next level as well. Remember that that Lily said when she moved to the place she moved to, she was young, and she only really had one thing because she didn't have money, and she didn't have a roadmap, but she had hope. And I want to remind you that if you have hope, you have everything that you need. So we'll see you next Monday for the next episode of Hope Rising, where the unfulfilled go for fulfillment and the inspiring go for inspiration. We'll talk to you soon.